0: Let me just start by reading a scripture to John, two John, chapter 1, verse 12, Two John 1, verse 12. And he says this, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. This is how I feel this morning. This week, as I've been working and walking with God, I really felt an intensity in my heart to have some face time with you. And sometimes when you pray, you feel the intensity of heaven and the concern of heaven towards people. And that's how I felt this week. I could have preached to you on Tuesday morning because I, had, I felt I captured the concern of heaven during my time with God. When I, when I meet with God or I have time with God, and this is how I function, so don't take this for what it is. This is how I function, okay? Who's functioning? Me, not you. I pray on behalf of you. I pray for you. I do very little praying for myself. Very little praying. Because my philosophy is if I take care of God's work, God will take care of me. I didn't say I don't pray for me. I do pray for me. But I don't spend as much time on me than I do on you. Yes? Because the only thing that's going to change anything is... Focus and prayer. Yeah? When you can't do anything, what you what are you supposed to do? Pray. When you have no power to change anything on the earth, you have a power in heaven to change everything. And, you know, if you think Steve Jobs or Bill Gates were the creators of either Skype or FaceTime technology, think again. Here's the writer saying, I want some FaceTime. I can write. You know I can write. When I write, I write a lot. You never get two lines in an email from me. No, no, no. Words are free. So I'm using as many as I can. So I send emails that I try to give you as much as I can. What you take from that is up to you. It's like when mum gives you a big plate. She says, eat what you can. When I was a kid, it was eat everything or you get no afters. Mum, I won't need any afters after eating this. I'm finished now, never mind after. So here he is, he wants to, he's got a concern in his heart for people and he wants to talk to them face-to-face because face-to-face, you know emails don't carry tone? They don't carry sound, so there's no tone. And, you try, and you're thinking, did they mean this? That's why we Facebook sometimes. If you don't put lol at the end, laugh out loud, You know, if you don't put that, you could easily take the, the, the comment the wrong way. Right? And that's why these things are just as much as they're good, they're dangerous. Because people react to comments and then they get themselves in trouble. You know, I know that, don't you? Because I've been one of them. So, FaceTime is the best thing to do. You can you imagine if you just had to keep emailing your wife or your husband or those, and you never spoke to them face to face? It's no good. You can't have intimacy. You know, just by writing. But if that's all you've got, then you have to rely on something. Yeah? So here he has, he's got, he's got concerns inside his heart for this group of people he's writing to. And as a, as a pastor shepherd, you know, myself, I have some concerns for us as a house. So if you go to Hebrews 6 verse 9, I'm going to quote a lot of scripture to you this morning. Because scripture is speaking to us. I'm using it for it to speak to us. Yes? And he says this, even though we speak like this, dear friends, that's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case. That accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He won't forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We don't want you to become lazy but we want you to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So his whole discourse to them is about encouraging them to continue. He wants them to live the same pattern that he's talked to them about, written to them about, and now wants to go and talk to them face to face. Yes? So he's he's, he's serious about them wanting to adopt a particular posture for life. Can you see that? And if you, you, sometimes when your kids are at university, you know, kids are the worst in the world for communicating, aren't they? Once they get out, um, outside the house, it's like mum and dad don't exist. But as a parent, you don't, you don't switch off. You don't switch off. You're thinking, why haven't they called me? Because they're having a ball. They're not thinking about you. Get over it. But you're thinking about them. And you'll sit there, why aren't they calling? Get over it, they're not calling. But if you keep calling, the thing is with the phone today, look who it is, no. I'll get back to your mum, I'll get back to your dad. And very often, we don't stop as parents wanting to keep speaking into the lives of our children. God's no different. God is no different. God is not happy for, for you just to say, I'll see what we can, God. We'll get some time together then. We'll have a meal together. We'll worship together. God says, I've got something I want to talk to you about now, today. So I'm going to use shepherds to talk to you. And also, I want you to have a relationship with me so I can talk to you before he, he gets here. God's always speaking. The problem is we're not always listening. So he says, I, you know, I don't want you to forget the work. You've you've shown him, and I want you to keep on keeping on. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. So he's very mindful that his face time is about encouraging him to stay to the end. Yeah? So your attitude towards praying for your family must keep you going to the end. For those who are just tuning in, we're talking about the family and We as a church feel of God that this year is all about structuring the family, praying for the family, fighting for the family, giving everything we've got to a family emphasis because the family in society is the one thing that's broken up and our society is disintegrated, dislocated, dysfunctional because the family unit has collapsed. I would have thought I got an amen there somewhere. I didn't say your family's collapse. I said the family within society. So how do you affect a nation? How do you rebuild a nation? One family at a time. So we've looked at Nehemiah and how Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of his own community with the families who came out of the exile. So these families weren't all perfect families. They'd been in exile. But he still used their strength... To, to, to do the work of God. And what God is saying to us Tony, I want you to use your strength this year to rebuild those families that are dislocated, fractured, dis, you know, falling apart. And there are strategies. And every week we've been giving us strategies and strategies. And we've been talking about it in the hope that from different angles that you will capture some element of this. And then begin to stand for your family in prayer and on the ground. Because there's physical things you need to do. As well as spiritual things. To see your family come to Christ. Remain in Christ. And grow in Christ. Yeah? It's the only way. I cannot rely on the government to fix what's wrong. Yeah? Yeah? Anyone who thinks this week that what's all gone on that crazy election, no man on the ground is America's hope. The God in heaven. And if those people don't lay hold of the God in heaven, no man on the ground is going to be good enough. Hello? We want good politicians. We want good leaders. However, people, man and God must connect. He says, pray for your leaders. So we pray for our leaders, but the leaders ain't our our only answer. And then he says this, so your attitude towards praying for your family, especially when we say family, we're praying for your physical bloodline family, but also we're talking about the family inside the church because the Bible tells us not to neglect the family inside the church, which is the household of God. So you can't be so individualistic that you just focus on your own family As a church, we're coming together to keep the whole family together. And we talked about the power of one. E pluribus unum. On every American coin, there is an inscription that says, E pluribus unum, which says, out of many, one. And in a church, we are many, but we should become one. So our motto is E pluribus unum. We must do, even though we're all individuals, we must build for the power of one. Amen? Amen. So Philippians, sorry, Philippians chapter 1 verse 5, just before we go there. So we're praying for your natural family, your spiritual family. But you must become diligent in pursuing, overtaking, and recovering. Let me say that again. You must become diligent. You. Every person in this room must become diligent in pursuing, overtaking, and recovering all that is lost or all that has been stolen from your life. You know, people have had a lot of tragedy in life. They've lost loved ones. You can't bring lost loved ones back if they're dead, obviously. Relationships got severed. They can be restored. I'm seeing God do it. Marriages can be restored. Restored. We've seen it time and time again. Relationships. Jobs can be restored. Positions in companies can be restored. Why? Because we've seen God do it. We've seen God do it. So there are things that you must pursue in order for God to restore. Yes? There's things that you must overtake. You must get in front of some stuff going on in your life rather than getting behind it. Yes? How many of you know, getting behind fear is the worst thing you can ever do? But if you can get in front of fear, you can control it. If you can get in front of doubt, you can control it. Yes? So getting in front of some things is a priority for many of us. Rather than letting some things get behind you and drive you in the wrong direction. But in order to get behind, in order to pursue and overtake and recover, the Holy Spirit and you must be walking together. You must be walking together in the Spirit. Not in your mind, but in in a relationship. You must find this relationship, you and the Holy Spirit. You say, hang on a minute, I thought, my relationship's with Jesus. It is. But he's given you his Spirit. And his Spirit will lead you into all truth. And the Spirit searches the mind of God and searches his mind and then reveals to you the heart and mind of the Father so that you can always obey what the Father is speaking. And how we do that is through this little bit of technology called the Holy Ghost. Yeah? He's He's almost like your satellite box. I'm not reducing him, but he's like your satellite box. He knows what the Father's saying. And he makes it known to you. And he's given you and I that ability inside to know his heart. Yes? yes? So in Philippians chapter 1, he says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry on to completion. So there is a project in your life called completion. Yes? There is a project. Going on in your life that must be completed. Why would God listen? You know, and I know, builders start jobs that they never finish. Carol will tell you, I'm classic at starting jobs I never finish. Start job, or I'll start over here, get really involved in that, and then move over here, and then before you know it, I've got loads of jobs that need finishing. Loads. I'm a great starter. When it comes to DIY. And then I get what we call, do you remember this phrase as a kid? I get me mad up. I get me mad up. In other words, you get so frustrated that then you just clear the deck, you do everything. But then it consumes me then. Two weeks, this summer, I've just gone crazy in our house. And I've still got more jobs to do, but it's almost like I'm having a breather. And then I'll get me mad up again. And then I'll go for it again. And then I'll finish all the jobs. Some people have to do it, can't sleep, I can sleep, knowing that the walls need decorating. It's not a problem to me. Some people, they can't. I sleep in a bed, not on the walls. And I close my eyes, so I'm not looking at the wall. But when I wake up and see the wall after a while, I get brassed off and then I get my mad on. And then I go and do the job. And that's how I work. That's the gospel according to Tony. But if you've got a wife that kind of won't let you do that, then pray for her. I haven't got one like that, so I get away with things, to a point, uh, there's dialogue going on at the front here, there's dialogue, so God starts a work within you that he wants to see it completed until the day of Christ Jesus, there's a day where Christ Jesus, you and him are going to meet face to face, but there's many days you've got to meet him face to face, Yes? It's right for me, he says, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. So here again, the concern of the writer is talking to this group of people and he's saying, look guys, it's not wrong for me to to write these letters to you. It's not wrong for me to FaceTime you and tell you that I'm concerned as a father, as a shepherd. Because you're the people I'm investing my life into. Yes? Now, I know some people in church don't see it like that, but that's not how it's going on over here. You may not have a thought about me, but I've got a thought about you. That's how it is. Why? Because those who have been untrusted into me are in there. Yes? Now, I know there are some revelations that pastors need to have, and I'll tell you about that in a minute, because it's a lifesaver. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel. You know, there's times when pastors are in chains. The the people put chains on him. So he can't say certain things. Yes? And then there's other times he's defending. And there's other times he's got to confirm. Hello? Now, I'm not saying you've put chains on me. I'm not saying that at all. But there's times when you're defending and there's times when you're confirming. So there's this man who's gone through all those phases and yet he still has concern for the people he's writing to. Why? Because he knows. Or maybe, I don't know if he did know what he didn't know. But it wasn't just them who'd be reading these letters. It's us. They're they're just as powerful to us who are reading them than it was to those who received them. Why? Because it's living word. These are not just historical letters. These are letters to us, the church now. This is what we feed on. This is God's word to our lives. So if we can understand the concerns that leaders have for the people, then you as a people then may be able to respond knowing that someone's got my back. Yeah? That's that's what he's trying to say. Because we want you to finish strong. So he says, and then he says this, whether I'm confirming, whether I'm in change, defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with moi. So God gives a grace a leader to a leader. So now we've all got grace, by the way. God's given grace to everyone. But there's a grace given for leadership. And that grace is not saving grace. Saving grace is given to everyone. But there's a grace for leadership. And that grace is given to a shepherd for you. So that you can come under that protection, feed from that word so that you can come to that place in Christ that Christ so desperately wants you to come to. God's got more plans for your family than you, you have. It just may be, it just may be that someone in your family is going to be the next prime minister or a next, you know, is going to be a researcher and going to break through for cancer. Or whatever it is. We just don't know what untapped potential is in our children or in us. Why? Because so many people are trying to knock it out of us and tell us we're no good. That we don't know what really is good in us. It took me many years to discover what was good in me. Because I'd had many years finding out what I was not, being told I was no good. That limits and contains your life. That really does put you back. But God who started this work in me, God who started this great work in me is bringing it through to the day of completion. God says, Tony, I can see where you are, but I also see a day where you're not going to be there. I'm going to reach out my hands to you. I'm going to pull you out of that. And I'm going to put so much self-esteem in you, so much affirmation in you that you're going to turn around and help others in the same area. But you don't see that in that place, there in the darkness? Why? Because the God who started a good work in me is still working in me and he's still working in you. So when God gives me a word to speak, it's so that he can keep on keeping on with that work. Amen. Now you think that and I think that sometimes that there's only you who can do that work. Just you and God. But you're wrong. Your parents start that work. Your parents were the first ones to start the work. They're the ones who teach you, install the software for conscience, good behavior, morals, values. They're the ones, God gave you parents to start the work. Yes? And then your teachers in school. And then your bosses in work. Or whoever trains you. And then your pastor. There's many people who God's using in this work. It's not just you and God. It's God using his people to do his work. Yes? Yes? So it's right for the shepherd to feel this way about the people he leads. (laughs) But the more I pray for individuals in the church, the more concerned I become. I do. I don't say that to frighten you. Because I observe. I may never have a conversation with you, but it doesn't say I don't observe. I observe. Well, how can silence speak? You know silence can speak an awful lot. Just the way you hold yourself, body posture. And God shows me certain things. I'm not trying to give you this picture that I've got, I've got everyone's email in this church and I know exactly where you are. I'm not. You're not that important for me to carry all that information. But what I do is when I'm praying, God shows me things. And when you pray, God shows you things. So it's not like one person's only got the, the uh, information here. But the more I pray, the more I do become concerned. But this is what I've learned. This is what I've learned as a pastor, that there are two revelations every pastor must need. You know what it is? First uh, revelation is that despite the pastor's ability, his influence, his charisma, his personality, whatever he's got going for him, he can't change you. It took me many years to understand that. You know, my pastors would preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and I'd be sat there like that thinking, get out of it, you're crazy, you're nutter. And slowly but surely, the more he kept speaking, the more his words or their words would have influence on my life. So they never spoke to me directly, but they spoke to me indirectly. God knows how to speak to you. Some conversations we'll never have, but as we're speaking, God's speaking to you he's taking your bricks out your wall. Why? Because in order to build a wall, you've got to destruct one first. Deconstruct, sorry. Deconstruct a wall. This wall here on the outside is about to be taken out and rebuilt. Why? So that everything's strong. So what you see on the outside, is called makeup. Cosmetics. That's how many of our lives are. We go to church with the... The cosmetics on—we're good. It's called special effects. Yeah, we've got the special effects on, but in the background of our lives, our walls need rebuilding. Yes, it's true, and God knows that. So God doesn't just come down there with a bulldozer and smack the seven sorts out of your wall. God takes it out brick by brick because why? Every brick represents something, and every brick by every brick being taken out of your wall in your life, God. Teaches you something. Amen? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is the mortar. Holding it together. Yes? All things are held together by him, the Bible says. The whole world is held together by him. By his word. That's the mortar. Holding all things. So, he learns that irrespective of his power, his charisma, his ability, his preaching. He... Cannot change anyone. Now, if most pastors would just learn that early on in their Christianity, in their ministry, they would not get as stressed as they have done and do. Yeah? That took me a long time before to realize I can't change you. But you know what? You can change me. Your can change me, it can affect me, it can put me in chains or any leader, yes? Now, I'm not saying you all sit there going, because that's just as much of a lie as, I, like, I can, at least I, can, I know where you are with that. It's true, you know where people are. The issue is, is, if I can't change you, then that's a good lesson for me. That's a good lesson for me, because it asks me then the question, well, how do they change? How can we change them? The second revelation is this, is every pastor must, uh, knowing that he can't change people, he needs a unique grace and he needs a unique word that's going to cut through the thinking patterns and the behavioral lifestyles of people. Because not just any word cuts through that. He needs a grace to speak a, a certain type of um, word that can help people and cut through and take those walls down. You know, when they take the mortar out of this wall, they're going to have to scrape it out, drill it out, whatever they're going to do to get rid of that mortar, to pull that brick. There's got, how many of you know, when you're pulling bricks out, there's some struggle? So, scraping the mortar out of your life takes time. And it takes a certain kind of word to dislodge that. Amen. That word creates the process that kickstarts change. That word creates a process that kickstarts change. And many of you are in that process right now. Me too. You're in that process. Would you agree with that? Yes. This is why the shepherd must have a source and supply in his life. He must have the word to keep on speaking so that word can keep on doing its work in people's lives. Amen? So he needs that revelation. The first revelation he needs is that he can't change everyone. The second revelation is he needs a word material to change people. Because words are seeds. When you plant seeds into people's lives, slowly but surely, and you keep watering that same seed, slowly but surely, God begins to start working with what's been planted And slowly but surely, the wall comes down, hearts become open, minds begin to change. And when minds begin to change, behavior then follows. But none of us in here think that our behavior needs to change. None of us in here think we need to change our thinking. That's the first work that needs to take place right there. Because that's that's an obstacle right there. That thinking alone is not right. It's not right but we all think it from time to time. I don't know if you know, but people resist change. Yeah, people, it's one of the hardest things for any man and woman to do is change. Yeah. But here's the thing. What happens when the same pastor keeps speaking to the same people every week? people's ears get dull and familiarity takes over and it's so hard to minister and sow seeds, keep on sowing seeds into the same people week in and week in out and keeping them at a good level. That's why it needs grace. So the issue is, is what is a pastor meant to do when he sees hard hearts, stone faces, Charisma, like the sucking lemons. What is he supposed to do when he sees that in front of him? Does he bang his fist on the pulpit? Some do. Does he then manipulate people? Some have. Does he then point the finger and blame some people? Some do. Or does he then... Paint this picture of himself of this omnipotence that the reason why they're not like that because they're not like him. Many do, or let me suggest a sixth, a fifth option. Or does he get on his knees and begin to pray that God begins to change the hearts of his people? Because if he can't change you. By what he's saying, that's a good place for God saying, well, get out the way then. Yeah. Let me change them. Yeah. You pray for them. And in your praying, I'll do something. Yeah, and that was my revelation a long time ago. That I can't change you, but you can change me. So if I'm going to be a change, change agent, I need to do it through prayer. So I try to spend more time thinking about you than I do thinking about me. Because there's no, there's no point in thinking about me. Because I need to think about you so that God can, I can see God do a great thing. Now, God needs... Let me rephrase that. God's chosen to use me in that process. He yep. doesn't need me. He wants me. Because if, if I wouldn't have said yes, he'd have got someone else. So... Paul, going back to Paul, just a minute. Paul, when he's talking to the Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 3, he gives them this discourse. And this is what he says. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Paul realizes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, that he can't change these people. He's writing letters to them. He's having FaceTime with them. He's talking to them. He's doing the best he can, but ultimately, he cannot change these people. He can persuade them to a point, but changing someone's behavior, yeah. ah, that's different. I can persuade, and you can persuade me to do certain things. But for change to take place, yeah. ah, that takes something different. Yes? It takes something different. So he says, for this, need, for this reason, so his reason is he's been... He's been writing before, and he's telling them about all the wonderful things in Christ that that they have been given. And they can attain to. And he's saying that despite all these things, my only response is for this people is to keep on kneeling before the Father. Because kneeling is the best place. It's the safest place. It gets heaven's attention. Now, very often we pray, we walk, we talk. We've got a thousand. We've we've discovered a thousand ways to pray. But you know, kneeling has become something we've stopped doing. Because the older you get, you're not. You're frightened if you get down, you won't get back up again. True. So I think if I get down there, Lord, (laughs) I'm gone. But kneeling is a very, very powerful thing. Kneeling and interceding is good. He said, from which is whole for, and for this reason, I kneel before the Father from his whole family in heaven and on earth, derive its name. I pray that of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. See, that is. I want to strengthen you through his spirit. In where? Your inner being. This is where change is going to take place. Inside you, through the spirit in your inner being. The software. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray, again, I didn't say, I didn't write, I pray that you will be rooted and established in his love. And you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. There's a lot of growing to do there to grasp that, isn't there? There's a lot of change that has to take place. If I'm to lay hold of this stuff he's talking about, there's a lot of change that needs to take place. To keep on grasping God's depth, I'm going to have to keep on walking. I'm going to have to keep on trusting him. To find out how God's, the width of his kingdom and the width of his love, I'm going to have to keep on keeping on. There's so much I don't know about God. But there isn't one thing God doesn't know about me. That's not fair, Lord. Why should you have all the information? But one thing about God is this. God's information, he lets you in on. He gives you access to. Why? Because you cannot know God without him revealing things. So that you may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge. There's a love for God that goes past your knowledge. Because we all have a different level of knowledge. And yet there's a love that God wants to reveal to us and will reveal to us if we're really serious about it. He'll take us beyond what you know. He'll take us beyond what we know. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. How much? All the fullness. I don't know about you, but I just don't know what that means. I have no idea what the fullness of God looks like. I know what a full cup of tea looks like. Do you know why I know what a full cup of tea looks like? Think about this. It's coming to me as I'm speaking. Because I know the size of the vessel. If I have a big cup and you give me half a cup of tea, I judge the fullness of it by the size of the vessel. Think about it. So you can keep on pouring. But the bigger the vessel, the more you need to keep on pouring. So if I know how wide and how big God is, then I get a picture of his fullness. Think about it. God has got an infinite supply. Never ever will God ever run out. The Arabs think they've got all the oil. Chinese think they've got all the money. Donald thinks he's got all the power. All these people think they've got something, but God has an infinite Supply of everything. Amen. Jeremiah, uh, was it, Jeremiah? Uh, one of them said, there's only, there's only me left. Was it Jeremiah, I can't remember. Isaiah, Isaiah, sorry. And it was one of them. That oh, wasn't one. And you all know, there's one of them. Elijah, Elijah. And it was one of those boys. <laughs> he was a prophet, yeah. Said, I'm the only one, Lord. He said, no, you're not. I've got a supply and... There's another hundred there. I've got more supply than you think you've, I've got. You're not the only one. Get over that. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. You mean I'm not the only one? It's a good revelation. You're not the only one. God says, I'm the only one. I'm the way, the truth, the life. I'm the only one. So then he says this. So now to him who is immeasurably able to do more than we can ask or even imagine. Imagine, according to his power, there's a work within us. There it is, it's work within us. He wants us to know this work that's going on inside us. He doesn't want you to lose sight that there's a work going on. And this is what I get frustrated about. I want to change. I want to hurry. I want to accelerate. I want to get involved. And God says, Tony, keep out of it. It's got nothing to nothing with your name on and that work. Get out, that's my work. I started it, I'll finish it. You're a co-laborer. That means when I need you, I call on you to labor with me in the project that I need you to be involved in. Don't think, don't take over, don't try and start running everything for me, Tony. That's, you're a laborer. You're laboring with me. So if I say I need you on that life, that piece of work, go. And when I say, when I call you off that, onto that one, You do it, but in the meantime, get on your knees. And out of there, you'll find, you'll get your orders. You'll get your instructions and you'll get your orders. So I'm finding now prayer is becoming more and more a ministry than I ever discovered. Because I'm determined to help see you change. Help see you change, not make you change. Because I can't change you. It's your choice. Your free will. That way your blood's on your hands. Yeah, your responsibility. But I am going to do everything in my power to help, encourage, stir, motivate, challenge, even rebuke. At times. Some behaviours. Why? Because not every, though everything's permissible, not everything is beneficial, acceptable. Same thing. So, are you ready to pray a bit more? Yeah. No, I'm not sure. Are you happy the way you are? Yeah. I didn't say, let me rephrase that. Are you happy with the position you're at right now? Yeah. Do you acknowledge there's still change to take place? Yeah, yeah that's good. We're all on an amen then. Okay, we're on, I know I'm in the right people. I'm in the right church, talking to the right people. Of course there is. So then, would you acknowledge that from time to time, someone's going to have to draw alongside you to help you? Not so many yeses now, Phil. Not so many yeses. That's okay. All you need to know is someone's brain. You did. Yeah, I did. (laughs) So one of the things I'm really convinced that God wants us to see in this family, praying for the family and fighting for the family, not fighting with the family, fighting for the family. We don't, we've been enough fighting in the family. We need to fight for the family in the spirit. But there is a portal, a gateway, an entrance point that you and I need to discover. Yeah. Hello? There's a portal, entrance or gateway that you and I need to discover in God that will take you from the ordinary place to the awesome place. Now, if we're honest with ourselves, many of us, we start and we live in what I would call the ordinary place. My house is ordinary. Right now, we're going through hallway and stairways and decorating, living room has been done, all downstairs has been done, the garden was done, the backyard was done windows were put in a lot of things were done this summer but it's still incomplete so we're waiting for our labourer called Scott to finish stripping the walls that was his task it would be wrong for me to get involved it'd be wrong for me to go inside and labour with him and say son that was a task i gave you so you need to do it you live here for virtually for free anyway i'm joking yeah, I hate stripping walls. I do. I hate it with a passion. We love, we love it. They love it. Great. Well get on with it then. Get it done. So the point is the project's unfinished, but it needs finishing and it will be done before Christmas. I've told I've told I've told my Santa spoke to his his elves and he said, sort it out because it needs to be finished before Christmas. So my man on a mission. <laughs> Don't steal my thunder. But we all start from the ordinary place. My house, my life is an ordinary life. It's not special. It's not, woo. You know, I don't, when I walk down the street, God doesn't appear. Albeit, He does follow me to Asda from time to time. The point is, we all, eh? He's already, <laughs> He's already there. Yeah. It's an ordinary life. And many of us start, must start, we live in the ordinary place. It's okay. Acknowledge that you live in an ordinary place. From the ordinary place, that's where we need to make the journey. Because God doesn't want you to remain in the ordinary place forever and ever. Amen. There's a lot about my life that's ordinary. And your life, which is ordinary. But God, from time to time, says, Tony, I want to give you tastes and glimpses and encounters from the ordinary place to the awesome place. Yes, If you can discover that in your personal life that God doesn't dwell in the ordinary because God's not an ordinary God. But you are an ordinary regular guy or girl. So God knows you live in an ordinary world but he wants your world to become extraordinary. God didn't die to save you so you could live ordinary. But there is a lot of mundane things in your life that's not going to change because that's just the way life is. You get up, and there's going to be a certain amount of predictability about your life. That's okay, that's factored in. But God doesn't want you to settle for everything in your life. God wants you to know Him in a deeper way. And to do that, you've got to move from ordinary to extraordinary. And, and that place is called the awesome place. But. From ordinary, there's another place you need to find. And it's called the certain place. The certain place. So if you're in an ordinary place, ordinary is not going to change unless you find a certain place. A place where you consciously walk with God. And God walks with you. And if you don't know what that means, let me show you. Genesis 28 verse 11. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set there, taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. Now look what happened in the certain place. He had a dream in which he saw the stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. So now heaven's involved in the certain Place and the angels of God were ascending and descending, so he's having a technicolor dream, he's having a Spielberg moment. Yeah, and angels were ascending and descending, and there stood the Lord. Wow, now he's having an encounter, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I'm going to give to your No, who's he speaking to now? Your family. In the certain place, God speaks to you about your family. I'm going to give your descendants. So he didn't only speak to Jacob. He speaks to Jacob about what he's going to do through Jacob. About his family and how God's got a plan for his family. But God needs to interact and transact with him first. And connect with him first so that his family has got a connection. Hello? If God can't meet with you, why do you expect him to work with your family? Someone has to go and petition and God has to have someone on the ground who we can connect with so he can move them through your family. Now God's sovereign, God can move through your family anyway. But he's looking for you in the certain place. Because in the certain place, Heaven opens. I've had this place many, many times. Some of you. Many of you have explained. What? This happens? Yes. Now, I haven't seen stairway. I haven't seen angels running up and down. Do you know why? Because angels don't need ladders. Just get practical for a minute. This was all for Jacob's benefit, not for the angels. Angels don't need ladders. Hello? They're not confined by the physical. Some have entertained angels unaware. So they can pass from dimension to dimension. They know the portal. They're familiar with the gateway. They know how to cross from one dimension to the other. It's possible. You don't have to go to a seance. You don't have to hold hands with people you've never met before. We used to do that in church, didn't we? Just grab the person's hand. No, you weirdo. Why would I grab a guy's hand I've never seen before? Only in church we ask people to do weird things. (laughs) Let's just hold hands. No. Stop it. So in this place, he's connecting with him for his generation. And then he says this. The land on which you're lying on, your descendants, will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. And your offspring. I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go. Who wants that? And I'll bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. You. When Jacob awoke from his sleep. He thought surely the Lord is in this place. What kind of place? Question. I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said how awesome is this place. So he's gone from the ordinary place. To the certain place. And now discovered the awesome place. The ordinary place was when he was at home, with his father. And when he cheated his father and his brother, he then runs and he's so tired, he finds the certain place. And in the certain place, he has an encounter with God that brings him to the awesome place. Three distinct places that you and I need in our life. Now, until you get tired enough of resisting God, doing your own thing, fighting against the better judgment of God, you, there will be no certain place that you'll remain in the ordinary. Because many of us are running from God in different areas. Oh, we're in church, but we're still running. But it's not until we get tired, we've come to a certain place. There are times when I've surrendered in God Is because I've stopped running, I got tired, I got brassed off for getting nowhere, so I surrendered, that's called a certain place. And when God transected me in the the certain place, when I awoke, I realised it was an awesome place. That's what every one of us need. My role and Phil's role and Paul's uh, role as an elder... In this house is to is to stim and not stimulate is to encourage, stir, and lead you out of the ordinary place to the certain place. Because we can't change you. Oh, God knows we want to. If you could hear some of my prayers for you, and if I could hear some of your prayers for me, how joyful we would feel. To know that someone's got our back. Yes? To know that this leader of yours does not want to put you in chains. He wants to affirm and confirm the ministry, the work that God's doing in you. And I just felt this morning I needed some face time with you to say these things. I could have wrote to you. I could have put you in an email. But some of you won't read the email. You think I haven't got time. You've got time. It's discipline. I could have written it in a manual on a parchment. No, 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 some of you won't read. So FaceTime's the best to do. So this is Remembrance Sunday. So will you remember what I'm saying? Because God has got great hope for you, for you and your family. God wants you to make this journey through this portal. God really wants you to make this journey through this portal. I encourage you to find this portal in your life. Find this portal in your life. Discover it through prayer. It might be that you get down on your knees this week and you say, Lord, take me to that certain place. Take me to that certain place where through an encounter with you, awesome, the awesome place. Lord, and when I wake up, I realize that You've not only through interacting with me now, my family have a my family have a future because my family uh, receive things from how you re, you interact with me and I interact with you. It's then passed on to my family. Right. Yeah. My son, in here in his church, he's, take, he's had to come to a certain place. He had to stop running. Now for him. It meant that he had to make a new journey and go to Australia. But that's where he started running. And then one day, God's in one of the sessions they're doing, God's on his case. Scott gets up and starts walking down the road. That's it. I'm going. I'm leaving. I've had enough of this. Fed up. And I know how that feels. And he starts walking down the road thinking, that's it. I'm leaving Australia. You can stuff this discipleship. (laughs) And God just says to him, where are you going, son? Was that clear? Where you going, son? You need to ask. You know where I'm going, and this is what God said to him. Did I tell you? It's time to go. No, get back in. That was it. That's what God said to him. Now, was was there a portal? Yes. Why? Because it got, got it got it got Scott's attention. Was it in the street? Yes. Did everybody else see it? No. Did Scott see a ladder with angels running up and down? No. He just got the audible voice of God. Where do you think you're going? I didn't tell you to go home. Get back in. Sorry, Lord. Then man makes peace with God. And then God gives you the grace to stop struggling so that he can finish that work in that place with you. All my teachings with Scott never brought him to that point. But without Carol and I at the back, he may never have come to that point. So we had a role. I don't need the name in small print for succession. I don't need to say it was Tony and Carol who brought him to that moment. I don't need the credits. God did it. And if God can do that with my son... And he can do it with my life and your life. Why can't he do it with our lives? Why can't he do it with that backslidden wife, that backslidden husband, that stubborn son who's on drugs, that stubborn girl who who wants to marry that guy and you don't want it to marry him? God's got to go and reveal some things to your children. But first of all, he says, can I count on you to stand in the gap? Because there's some horrendous things going on in the families, in in this church. And God has got to, God's got to move, but we've got to find the portal. Yep. That's my only hope. And my only message for you this morning is find the portal because God is about to do some amazing things in your life if he can count on you being there. Yep. Amen. Amen? It's not you know, you're saying, well, God, I just trust you you'll do it. No, God says, talk to me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about it. Find time. Move from the ordinary place. Find the certain place. Sometimes you've got to be brassed off with something enough to find that certain place. Let's stand to our feet, please. Face time over. So, let's bring in a, let's make an acknowledgement before the Lord this morning, if we will, that we're in the ordinary place. Let's start in the ordinary place because that's where we live, isn't it? That's the world I live in. I live in Manchester, which is an ordinary place. I live in Openshaw, which is very ordinary and at times very weird. But nevertheless, it's my home place. I have peace there with an undecorated hallway. I still have peace there. But I can see clearly now it will be finished. But the point is this. Every day I get up, from my ordinary bed with my ordinary breakfast I get in my ordinary car and I come to the cafe next door which is an ordinary building often cold building and then I start to pray I started in the ordinary and then it becomes a certain place not every day not every day some days it remains ordinary Okay, I'm not giving you this picture that it glows every time I walk in there it doesn't Some days it remains very ordinary. Some weeks it remains ordinary for for a whole week. And then sometimes I walk in there and it goes from the ordinary to the certain place. And then other times it goes to the awesome place. But I've I've got to keep making the journey from the ordinary place. Okay, that's where I live. Ordinary, but that's not where I stay. I go back to ordinary because this is where I live, planet Earth. Okay? We don't live in that, that bubble. But guess what? I can learn to live in the certain place more than I can live in the ordinary. Amen? Don't settle for ordinary. Look for the certain. Because the certain is the gateway to the awesome. Amen? And from the awesome, supply comes to your life. Amen. So let's 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 be honest with ourselves. I'm an I'm a, I in, I'm an ordinary guy, but oh God, I want to. I've lived in the ordinary too long. Come on, just be honest with yourself, Lord. I've lived in the ordinary too long. Give me the grace, the desire to move from the ordinary into the certain place. I need to find it for my life. I need to find it for my marriage. I need to find it in my workplace. Lord, I need to operate from the certain place, far more from the ordinary, because I don't want to be an ordinary Christian. I don't want to be an ordinary believer. I want to be a certain, distinct type of person on planet Earth. I don't want to be beige anymore. Beige is an awful colour. It's not a colour of the rainbow. So, Father, I confess this morning, oh God, take me from ordinary. Take my wife, take my husband, take my children from the ordinary place. And take us to a new place, oh God. Call a certain place. I decree over every family that this year you're going to find a certain place. Before this, end, this year is finished, you're going to find a certain place. There's going to be a supernatural transaction taking place between you and God. God's going to come in a whole new level to your life. Come on, come on. Just raise up, raise up your voice and say, Lord, I don't want to live in that place anymore. Have some face time with God this week. Have some face time. Oh my God. FaceTime with heaven. FaceTime with heaven. Oh Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for showing me these things this week, speaking to my heart about your people, oh God. Lord, I appeal on behalf of your body, oh God. Father, to continue the great work that you've started in these people, O oh God. Father, continue to, to can accelerate that work, O oh God, that hidden unseen work, O oh God. Father, I pray, O oh God, this week, Lord, that there will be divine manifestations of your presence into people's lives, O oh God. Invade them, O oh God, in certain ways, Lord. Let them see, O oh God, that you are, you are committed to them, O oh God, that you love them, O oh God. I pray, Father, Lord, for the, those who are struggling, O oh God, that, Lord, you'll bring them to the certain place. Take them out of the ordinary place, O oh God. Establish your presence in their life, O oh God. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, mighty God. Maria Tara baba ba koni shiri andara ba Oh mighty god Kirya mama sare